0: If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14 as we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians. And Chris has graciously given me the opportunity to tackle 1 Corinthians 14, which sermon title, as you will notice, is Understanding Tongues and Prophecy. I think understanding may be overstating it a little bit. We will hopefully. Discuss prophecy and tongues. I don't know that we will understand them completely, but hopefully we can all learn something that will help us to grow deeper in our understanding of God, deeper in our relationship with Christ. So, I look at 1 Corinthians 14. Before we get started, though, let's go back to the Lord and pray. And let's pray together. I will stand up here and pray out loud. But I would like for you as you sit there to pray, because I really believe that what we are doing here this morning is a collaborative effort together. That If all that happens is I stand up here and I talk, then we have wasted our time. But if we together study God's word and allow God's Holy Spirit to work in us, speaking to each one of us so that we can then take God's word and apply it to our lives, not just for. This 25, 30 minutes, but instead taking it outside of these walls, then we have accomplished something. But we have accomplished something that God has worked in us. So let's pray this morning together that God will accomplish something in us, that his Holy Spirit will speak to us. Because I alone in myself am completely inadequate. Only God can speak to us. Only God can bring about change in our lives. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to not leave us where we are. We thank you that you care enough about us to challenge us, to stretch us, to bring us to a place where we have to wrestle with hard issues and figure out what they mean and how we can apply them to our lives. And I pray that this morning, the time that we spend together will be time that is honoring and glorifying to you, Lord. I pray that it is time when your Holy Spirit would speak through me, I pray that you would empty me of myself, that I would not say words that are just words, that I would not say things that are just things, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak, that we would be able to come to a place of hearing what it is. So I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, open our ears to hear what it is that you have for us this morning. And I pray that we would not just leave it here, but that we would take it and that we would be changed people as we walk out of here. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. First Corinthians fourteen, we're gonna go, starting in verse one. And go all the way through verse 33. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue Builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for the battle? So it is with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language... I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker, a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. With my mind, in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature in the law. It is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, He will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three. And in each turn, let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So everybody get that. I think it's important for us, before we get started, to understand and to remember the context in which Paul is writing and to root ourselves where Paul has rooted himself and to remember where we are. And so if you think about, you think back a couple weeks, we've looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and we've looked at 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 12 speaks of the spiritual gifts and talks about the body and how everything works together and how all the spiritual gifts work together. First Corinthians 13 talks about love. And so Paul, he wants us to remember that he wants us to to know that because in verse 14 or in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so we have to root ourselves in that before we can even begin to start thinking about prophecy, before we can begin thinking about tongues, we have to remember where we are rooted and we have to keep this Up and running and remember that everything that we talk about this morning happens within that context. It all happens because Paul says that we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But he also says that if I speak all of these words in tongues, but have not love, I'm but a clanging cymbal or a banging gong. That there's just no point to it. It's just noise. There's no reason for it. And so we have to remember that all of these things are rooted in love. And so both of these, the idea of tongues and the idea of prophecy, both of these spiritual gifts that Paul talks about are evidence of a changed life by God and the working of the Holy Spirit within us. But that's the same of all the other spiritual gifts. And so we have to remember that we want to know that And it's easy for us to kind of get off track. It's easy for us to kind of get focused in on this and to start to to mull this over and and deal with this and come to a place where. We just completely dive in on this and we forget about this idea of love, this idea that all the rest of the spiritual gifts are out there, that this is just one component. I won't ask for a show of hands of who has seen the cinematic masterpiece of Dumb and Dumber. But in that movie, if you recall, Harry and Lloyd are on their way to Aspen, Colorado, from the East Coast. And as they're driving, Harry is driving, I think, and Lloyd is asleep. And he decides at some point that he wants to lean over and plug his nose because he's snoring and he thinks that it will be funny to make him, I don't know, not breathe. I'm not sure It's, it's pretty dumb, hence the name Dumb and Dumber. Anyway, as he's doing this, he comes to sort of a fork in the highway and one says to Aspen and one says, you know, to to Iowa. And so he's he's leaned over and he's doing this and he's driving and he steers himself and he inadvertently, instead of going to Aspen, drives to Iowa and they end up in the middle of cornfields and they're not where they're supposed to be. And so he allowed this momentary lapse of three seconds while he was trying to plug his friend's nose to get him completely off course. And I think that is a word of caution for us this morning, that if we if we focus in on this and we, and we think about these things and and we lose sight of the bigger picture we're going to completely veer off course and we can end up way, way over here because we didn't pay attention to where we were supposed to be going. And so we want to remember that we want to remember that the Corinthians, the whole reason that Paul was writing to them is because they were distracted by some of these things and they had veered way off course. And Paul is writing to bring them back and to say, no, this is the way that it ought to be. These are the issues that, that are at hand Paul's chief concern for the Corinthians is maintaining peace, maintaining holiness, and that they maintain their faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is, again, where we need to root ourselves in this passage, where we need to to rest and come down and figure out. And so Paul's discourse, this whole chapter on prophecy and tongues comes out of, of a desire to remind them of the main issues. And it seems that in the Corinthian church that some people were elevating their own spiritual gifts above those of other people and saying, well, I am better than you because I speak in tongues or I am better than you because I prophesy or I am better than you because of this, that and the other thing. And Paul is saying, no. And what does he say over and over and over to build up the church? That is the purpose of the spiritual gifts that God has given to us is to build up the church. And so before we we understand this and before we look at it, we say, Paul says that to prophesy is better. We have to ask why. But before we even can get to that, we have to say, okay, what exactly are we talking about here? What is prophecy? What is tongues? I don't know that I'm going to fully answer those questions this morning. And I don't know that that anyone fully can answer those questions. There have been many books written by people much smarter than me. Dealing with these issues, but hopefully we can we can scratch the surface of this a little bit and try to figure out kind of where we sit in some of these things. So what is prophecy? Well, what does Paul say it is? He describes it as someone who speaks to people for their building up, for their encouragement and for their consolation. So he describes somebody that is speaking truth to the body of Christ. And I imagine when you hear the word prophecy, you think of the Old Testament prophets of the people uh, of God that came and that were charged with speaking God's word to God's people. And I think sometimes we get this idea of prophecy of foretelling future events. And yes, sometimes that was one aspect of it. But more often than not, it was God's chosen messenger speaking God's word to God's people At a specific time and applying it to the lives of those people. So God's messenger taking God's word and applying it to the lives of God's people. When we break it down into that. We can see that that should be occurring all over the body of Christ in various contexts, various different ways, obviously. In times of Sunday school and in times of the sermon, we have god 's Word, and hopefully whoever is teaching whoever is preaching is is using God's Word to explain it to apply it to our lives. but it doesn't end there. We have small group Bible studies, we have life groups we have different interactions, different times where we spend time with people and it can occur in so many different levels in so many different places because God has given us his word and through the Holy Spirit. They are called spiritual gifts, after all, through the Holy Spirit, we all have access to God's revelation. We have it through the Bible written down for us so that now we are all able to take God's word and to apply it first to our own lives and to say, what does this mean for me today? How do I need to adjust my life? To more look like this, and then we can use it for each other, so that we can do what? What does Paul say? For the building up, for the encouragement, for the consolation. We take it and we apply it to the lives around us, so that people can grow in their spiritual walk with God, so that people can be encouraged when they're going through times of hardship, when they're dealing with different things, when they're being, when they're struggling with different things, and they're down. We can take God's word and we can be the prophet to speak God's word into their life. And for consolation, when there is time of loss, when there is time of struggle, people are really, really dealing with something. We can take those words and we can use it to console one another in different contexts. So prophecy is simply taking God's word and applying it to the lives of those around us. So what are tongues? Well, that's a little trickier to nail down. I think that when we think about the idea of tongues, probably most of us think about back to the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and you have tongues of fire that come down and all the people that are there begin speaking in different languages so that the word of God may go forth to all the different people that are there. And in Acts, it seems to be Something that is a known earthly language. There were people from all different countries all around the world that were in Jerusalem at the time. And these people seemed to be speaking in in a language that they all understood. But it wasn't a language that they had studied. It was a language that God had supernaturally gifted them to share the gospel with. And here Paul seems to be talking about something else. When he seems to be saying something about a personal means of of communicating with God But yet one that requires some sort of an interpretation. So we begin sort of mulling these ideas over and going through them and thinking, okay, what does this mean and how does this work and all of this? And I think we can just distill this down into a simpler definition that says a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, whereby the believer speaks forth a language that they've never learned and that they do not understand. So it's it's the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody that they speak a language that they haven't learned and that they don't understand. And so that's why it requires some source, some sort of an interpretation. But in the Corinthian church, and the reason why Paul feels the need to spend this whole chapter discussing this and to describe the proper use of it is because they were using it to say that they were better than one another and they were using it for their own gain. And so many spiritual gifts. When we come to this place, we We are selfish, fallen, sinful, broken people, and even things that God has given us to build up the body, we can then turn around and manipulate and use for ourselves and say, well, I have this gift, so I am better than you or I have that gift, so you're not as good as me. And that is not the purpose. The purpose is to continue to build up. And Paul also has a concern for visitors, for people that may come and join in and come to the church to hear the gospel and all of a sudden They come into this this strange ritual where there's this sort of language that they don't understand and this thing that's going on. And if you walked into a place and they weren't speaking your language, you're probably not going to stick around very long. Because if if nobody's there to interpret for you, I mean, it's just noise. There's no point in being there. And that's Paul's concern, too. That's why he puts the emphasis on interpretation. That is unhelpful to the Corinthians because the believers... Didn't really understand it and because it was driving the unbelievers away. And so Paul has an emphasis on order and on interpretation, because as he says over and over and over, the emphasis is on building up of the body. And so, again, I have to ask the question, why? Why is it that Paul places such an emphasis on prophecy? Well, I think that we can see that when we prophesy, when we speak God's word into the lives of the people around us, is useful for the building up. And we see that. And that is why Paul wants us to see that, to know that and to engage in that. And so I think we can understand that tongues call attention to the supernatural ability to God and will draw people to Christ. But as far as within the church, prophecy is a call to repentance, a call to faith, a call for us to align ourselves with God's word, to apply it to our lives And to study God's word and prophecy teaches, corrects, edifies and encourage encourages, therefore it is the more desired gift. So what does this mean for us today? How can this bear fruit in our lives? I mean, this all seems well and good, but for us to just sort of define these terms and just kind of leave them out there doesn't really do us much good. So, again, I would come back and say, remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. We don't want to get off track. and We don't want to start worrying about what other people are doing in other churches and, and all these things. We have enough going on in our own lives. We are enough fallen, sinful, broken people within ourselves. We don't need to worry about what somebody next to us do, is doing. We need to examine our own motives. We need to worry about ourselves. We need to, to focus on ourselves to make sure that within ourselves we are using the spiritual gifts that God has given us in a selfless way. We don't want to get off track and we celebrate Advent, the coming for this very fact. The reason that we light this candle today is for hope and this hope that we have in Christ, that Christ has come. He's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's paid the penalty for our sins so that now we can have a relationship with God where God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can even have these spiritual gifts. And so it should draw us back To remember what it is that God has done for us so that we can be thankful and to think if it's not for Advent, if it's not for Jesus coming, then we don't even have spiritual gifts and we're not even having this conversation. And so it should always point us back to this, to this idea of love, the purest form of love that Jesus would come and die on the cross for us. And then we need to remember that the purpose, again, of spiritual gifts is to build up the church. We want to use them selflessly. We don't want to use them for ourselves. We don't want to build our own little kingdoms. We want to work together to build up the kingdom of God. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is number one, are we using our spiritual gifts? And number two, are we using them to build up the body? If we're not using our spiritual gifts, The idea is that each one of us that is a believer that has come together in this local body of Christ has some energy that is to contribute to the body. So if you are sitting here today and you are not using your spiritual gifts to build up the body, you are stored energy. And when we store energy in our bodies, what do we call that? We call that fat. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be a part of. The fatty part of the body of Christ. I want to be a part of the body of Christ that is being used. And so we want to be used by God. We want to be using that energy. We want to be engaged, exercising our spiritual gifts, using them. And we need to remember this underlying principle of doing everything in love, because if we're not doing things in love, then it's all just noise. It's just things that are happening. It's just Paul uses the, the illustration of, of instruments. If I were to pick up one of these instruments here and to try to play them, it would be noise. It would sound horrible. But when the musicians come back up and they begin to play, they know how to play. They are skilled. They have talent and ability. And it creates a melody and it makes sense. And we're able to use it. And that's the picture that Paul is painting of us. And so we need to ask ourselves as we do things Are we rooting them in love? Are we doing things out of a selfless heart? Are we doing things for the love of the people around us? Not because we are good people, but because Christ has first loved us. We do that out of a response to what he has done. And so then we think about this idea of tongues and this idea of of prophecy. We think, okay, well, how does this work? Well, it seems to me that tongues is some sort of a supernatural communication. We actually have access to some sort of a supernatural communication ourselves today. And it's called prayer. That God has given to us a method with which to converse with him. So are we taking advantage of that? Are we using that? Are we spending time daily in prayer, communing with our heavenly father? Listening to what it is that he has to say to us and presenting our request before him, not because he doesn't know what we need, but because we need to spend time with him and then with prophecy. God has given us his word. We don't need someone to come in and add something to it. God has given us the full and complete Bible. But if we don't know it, if we don't spend time reading it, how are we ever going to be able to use it to build up, to edify the body of Christ? So we need to be spending time in prayer using the supernatural communication that God has given to us. And we need to be spending time reading the Bible so that we know what it is that we can use when the time comes that we need to build up the body, that we need to encourage, to edify, to console one another. If we don't spend time using these things daily, we're not using the full power of the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. And so we need to remember that God has given us tongues and prophecy and all the rest of the spiritual gifts that he's given us for one reason. and That reason is for the edification of our relationship with him, both personally and together as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have. Given to us these gifts, not for ourselves, not that we can boast. Not so that we can look good, but instead that we can work to build up the body of Christ. And so I pray that you would help us as we leave here this morning to think about these things and to remember. That we need to do all of these things rooted and established in the love that we have for you. Because you have first loved us. We pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen.